1: I'm serious. It's time to put the F word back in parenting. Fun parenting. Oh my gosh. Why can't we do this? Why can't we have dance parties in our kitchens? I don't understand. And now
0: here's your host, Tara Kennedy Kline.
1: Hey, parent nation. Welcome to the show. Hey, Kelly. Hey, hey, hey. How's it going? It's going good. I, uh, celebrated a big birthday over the weekend with a big bash. You did. Yeah. Oh no. The, Hell, the big it one. It wasn't it wasn't Kylie Jenner big. <laughs> no, almost. 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 But, you know, we tried. So, k- happy birthday. Well, thank you. That's thank pretty exciting. You. Yes. It's it's sad though because our birthday month is over. I
2: know. It's a new month, new start. Fall yeah. is in the air. Oh,
1: shut that! What? I don't like it. You know I don't like it. You don't it. like the
2: cold. I know. You nope. and I should switch. Well, no, I don't really like the cold either. And it is
1: it is cold, like like crazy cold already. No, 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 no. I mean, in Pennsylvania, it gets oh, okay. cold. Gotcha. And it it gets stupid cold for far too long. Hmm. So, yeah, not excited about that. Like, when I go outside and I feel like I have to put on a sweater, I get angry. <laughs> like, you should, no. You should become a snowbird. I was thinking about it. Seriously considering it. Yeah. For several reasons, really. I mean, I have a distributorship business that I run. Uh-huh. So it would make complete sense for me to move to a place with a, a port Mm -hmm. You know, that I could receive my products and then have like a warehouse there. The only thing is ports, port areas tend to flood. I don't flood where I am. I mean, my (laughs) house floods, but my warehouse doesn't flood. So
3: you
1: don't want that. No, no. But I don't know. Might be worth it. Yeah. Hmm. I'll keep considering it. If I did, <laughs> if I did do the snowbird thing, I would totally move to Florida, though. Because Florida's like, you know, I have family there. Florida's awesome. I love Florida. It's beautiful. You could become so, a snowbird there. Yeah, I know. And I have so many friends that would be like, "Yay! Mm-hmm. Finally!" Oh, yeah. I know, <laughs> Stacy. Regina, stop cheering. <laughs> so anyhow, yeah. So speaking of birthdays. Yes. Well, let's let's start with this. Did you watch the VMAs? Yes. Are you blind? No. From all the nakedness <laughs> and obscenity. Well, well yes, yes.
2: I was watching it with my daughter, and it was it was a
1: little crazy. No, wait a minute. How old is your daughter again? Fifteen. Oh, because uh, according to the VMAs, the rating was for children 14 and above. Mm. Come well, on.
2: Come on, Kelly. Be honest. No, that's like a, an NC-17 or an R or an, even
1: an X. I'm thinking yes. I could see Miley Cyrus's vagina <laughs> in that could you, whatever whatever that thing was with the pills or the M&Ms or the a little, alien a little patch? Gro- yeah. Yes. That was disgusting. Mm-hmm. I shouldn't know that you have a Brazilian wax unless we're <laughs> intimately involved. <laughs> uh, That's well. ridiculous. Everybody's talking about her, aren't they? They are. She's a genius. She's a marketing genius, but that scares the hell out of me. Mm Mm-hmm. It really does. I talked about it on my my Facebook page, and I talked about it on Parent Nation. Um, I, I find it ridiculous that that is the model that young girls are being shown for how to get yourself out there how to make a name for yourself, how to sell something, how to get attention from people. But that's what she's selling.
2: Right, but Kim Kardashian did the same thing. How did she get famous?
1: Sex tape. Sex tape. Leaked sex tape. Yep. Yep. And now and now Kylie Jenner, you know, part of the Kardashian clan right. as it were. You know, she shows up at an after party barely wearing anything. It's no longer free the nipples. That's not even good enough anymore. It's, now it's free the vagina, you know, <laughs> free the little man in the boat. We don't need that kind of information. Right. The general public and I. We don't. You know, how good your waxer is. I don't need <laughs> to know that. <laughs> Disgusting. And then, so, so, but here's the thing that kills me about Kylie Jenner. She just turned eighteen, right, right so like here's here's the role model that we put out there for our teenage daughters is Kylie Jenner, who was offered a hundred thousand dollars to have her birthday party at a Canadian club. Did you hmm. know that she no, it was no. her birthday party was sponsored, sure. She had a red carpet. it was crazy. The reason that they wanted her to do it in Canada is because um, eighteen is the legal drinking age in Canada. Mm. Maxwell Klein, don't even think about it. <laughs> and so this is why these are the these are the standards that we're now setting for teenagers. Meanwhile, um, do you know who I even mean when I say "malala? No. She is the, the, um, the Pakistani girl who was shot by terrorists and survived. Oh. Right. And so now she's, um, she does a lot of work for, uh, g- children in like Syria and stuff. Okay. So for her 18th birthday, cause one would think that she would be as popular maybe is Kylie Jenner. Mhm. For her 18th birthday, she opened a school in oh, Lebanon. Oh, wow. Ah. Wow. But you know they celebrated their birthdays in the same week. Mhm. Who did you know about? Kylie Jenner, KJ. I I it, it just makes me sick like here's this 18-year-old girl who was quoted as saying, Today on my first day as an adult, on behalf of the world's children, I demand of leaders that we must invest in books, not bullets. And on the other hand, we got Kylie Jenner going, you know, throw back shots! Right. Well,
2: you... Yay, Canada! Mm-hmm. You talk about uh, Miley Cyrus being a great marketer, that Kris uh, Jenner also is a great marketer, too.
1: Oh, my goodness. She's
2: pushing those kids out there.
1: Oh, absolutely. And herself. Don't get it oh, twisted. Sure. Oh, sure. You know, sure. ever since her husband announced that he has a better woman's body than she does, right? she's been doing everything in her power to put her body out there. And, and granted, she's like, what, 56 years old or something? At least. And she's, you know, she's getting her picture taken on the beach in her black bikini with her amazing abs and... You know, she insists that she had no surgery done to achieve that body, which we all know is a lie. Oh yeah, right. But these are the standards that we're that we're publicizing for young girls. These are the these are the standards that we put out, and then we have the audacity, the unmitigated gall, mm-hmm. to blame men for the unnecessary sexualization of women. Mm-hmm. Did you see some of the pictures from the VMAs? I did. Selena Gomez's zipper up to your coochie dress. Right. Uh, come on, ladies. And <laughs> I use that term so immensely loosely. <laughs> oh, for crying out loud. It's You know, those award shows used to be the pinnacle of... Civil civility and grace, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you know this is Hollywood, and Hollywood is amazing because it is so classy. And now, we pay attention to Hollywood because it's so trashy, right? Uh, it, come on, it ugh, it makes me sick. It, it, I, I just don't get it. Mm-hmm. I don't get where these kids are coming from. You know, in their. Clothing optional um, role modeling for young kids today. It just makes me sick. They treat their VMAs like a nude beach. Uh, See? (laughs) see? Yes, they really do. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. I love this. This is the best part. Okay, so... um, the the celebrities, the hot celebrity thing, let's call out, like, Scout Willis and stuff like that. The hot celebrity thing is if men are allowed to go topless and men are allowed to dress comfortably, why shouldn't women be allowed to do the same thing? I didn't see a single man with his visible genitalia on that stage. No. I didn't. I didn't see... Uh, there, was, there were topless guys in Nicki Minaj's thing.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But I mean, come on. They were in the minority and they brought some interest to the to the performance. I, I shouldn't say that. It's oh, no, I'm sorry. Did I filter? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry for filtering on you, Kelly. They were <sighs> they were doing what they were told to do. So how is that not the sexualization of the men in that sketch? Right. I, I just don't get it, I, you know, and we want to know why girls are confused,
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know. It's a friend of mine, a local friend of mine put something on Facebook the other day. She went to a Chinese buffet here. Uh, I know, don't be jelly. <laughs> <clears throat> but she was there with her son, and while they were there, <clears throat> there was a table of teenage girls, and these teenage girls were being so obnoxious. They were, Kelly, they were rubbing food on their faces. They were burping openly and then just laughing about it outrageously. They were swearing. They were, and here's the thing no one, not even the owner of the restaurant, who am I know, would kick them out yeah. or even walk up and dare to say anything to them. But yet, if there was a table of boys doing that same thing, do you know how many people would have been all over them? That's so true. They would have been like, you know, boys, that's ridiculous. Straighten up or get out. That's not how you act in public, right? But we can't do that to girls. And I don't understand it. Because we don't hurt their feelings. Oh, bullshit. (laughs) Girl power. But you're gonna claim to be that sensitive that you can't even be called out on your crap. Nah, not <laughs> buying it. Not it's buying get, it. It's getting more and more
2: difficult to raise teenage girls nowadays.
1: It is. I don't like it. I don't like what we're, what, what we're becoming in the name of feminism. And all of those women who are, you know, saying we need feminism because if that is an example of we need feminism because you're teaching the wrong script, ladies.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, if you want to go back to the marches and the suffragettes and the, you know, 20,000 women protesting in the streets, hoorah, I'm right there with you. But if we're talking about Miley Cyrus being allowed to show her vagina on TV to a 14-year-old and up age group, Mm -hmm. now you're just pissing me off. And every woman on the planet should be angry about that. This isn't about breastfeeding. This is about exhibitionism and it being appropriate because you're a girl. Nah. Nah. And I don't don't even feel old saying that. (laughs) I mean, there were some things that, you know, I would say them and I would feel really old, you know, like, get off my lawn, you know, (laughs) but not no, you know. Uh, no. Sending my my high school student to school in his first car, that made me feel old. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Aw. That's Do you
2: remember, though, um, when Cher used to come out with revealing outfits? I do. Did we get that, did we get this riled up about her? Oh, yes. Okay, because I can't remember
1: exactly. Oh, my goodness, yes, we did. It was repulsive. You know, and when her boyfriends were younger than her and Weird Al Yankovic was, was making up songs about mm-hmm. her dating a fetus. And yeah, Ew. like, yeah, I mean, Cher was. Yes, she was very much so. I mean, think about it. When Britney Spears did a video in a Catholic schoolgirl uniform that was too short, we went crazy because that right. was a teenager. Yes. Yeah. So Miley is truly pushing the envelope. Um, And I think the thing that upsets us the most is that she was such... Cher was never a role model for young girls, like, like nine-year-old girls, seven-year-old mm-hmm. girls. True. Cher was never that. You know, she was always Cher. True. Miley was Hannah Montana.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And so we've watched this evolution from sweet sweet smart talented young girl to on stage prostitute like we've watched that and it was such a quick evolution you know it wasn't even slow and painful it was like holy shit (laughs) did she just twerk on on robin thick like that like (laughs) yeah like 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 that it was like that right yeah And so I think that's what's so upsetting to most parents is that there is still a very young demographic of girls who still see her as Hannah Montana and still worship her and idolize her. Sure. And that's what makes it wrong. So, you know, that's just my opinion on that. And, you know, it's it's. Coming up on you know the week that that a brilliant man like Wayne Dyer, who was a, a powerful voice in the world and could have led our kids in a really great direction, passes away, mm-hmm. and and we're left looking at that as our you know <laughs> as the voice of our teenagers. You know, Miley, I, I'd I'd much rather have my kids listening to Wayne Dyer. Oh sure, honestly, you know, uh, uh so anywho. I just I I wish there was something that we could do. I mean, I'm not I'm not a censorship person. My god, I don't even have my own filter, but yeah. I think there has to be some level of common sense when it's in a public forum like that and it's being broadcasted, practically shoved down our throats. I think that's different. People can choose to follow me, but they're not, you know, what, with something like the VMAs and and Miley and all that other stuff it's shoved down their throats they don't have a right, choice right so but, uh,
2: MTV is is known for um their
1: outrageousness yeah they are and they always have been but that's right. when you had to pay for it <laughs> you know now we I liked
2: I liked MTV when they actually played music videos those
1: were the days weren't they yeah yeah. ah so, <laughs> oh. so anywho, we're gonna come back and we're gonna be talking to some amazing guys for dad day. I'm excited dad about dad day. day. We're gonna be talking to Christopher Baker after our first break, um, who's working on Dad's Make Your Mark. And uh he's gonna be talking to us about homeschooling and his journey from teacher to, to homeschooling dad. And then in our third segment, we're gonna be talking to Josh Missner, who uh who's going to be talking to us about mindfulness and parenting and all that. So stay tuned, everybody. We'll be back.
0: My Tara's taking a cocktail break and we're taking care of business with the word from these sponsors.
4: Homeschooling? Have questions? Get your pen and paper ready. It's the sociable homeschooler, Vivian McNinney. Fridays at 5, 4 central on toginet.com.
5: The all American hot dog was actually created in Frankfurt, Germany in 1484. In the U.S., hot dogs are first sold at the New York City ballpark in 1901. Apparently, Babe Ruth had polyphasia that's insatiable hunger. He once ate 12 hot dogs and drank eight bottles of soda between games of a double header. Oh, I bet he had a case of the collywobbles. That's an upset stomach. The average American eats roughly 50 hot dogs per year. If you think hot dogs aren't high society, President Roosevelt served King George VI of England a hodgepodge of hot dogs and beer during a White House visit in 1939. Humphrey Bogart summed it up best when he said, A hot dog at the ballpark is better than a steak at the Ritz. It's I'm Carolyn Davidson, and Words You Never Heard has been brought to you by the Bariatric Surgery Center of Dallas.
1: Hey, Parent Nation. Welcome back to Dad Day. I am so excited. I love Dad Day. It's Dad like day. my favorite. Dad Day. It's my favorite. You know? I oh, feel yeah. like we should at least celebrate dads once a month, if not every day. Right. You know? my I got my husband's out of town right now. Oh. And uh, luckily, I have like three strapping men in my house besides him. Otherwise, I would be a total wussy because I can't handle it. Oh, you know, so you have so, spare husbands? I, so yeah, the, I call them sons, but yeah, we can call them. <laughs> to, <laughs> I thought but, you had some other men in the wings. No, that would be awesome, wouldn't it? <laughs> I just said that live on the air to like two million some people. That's awesome! Yay! So anyway, no shame here, but I uh, it's it's when my husband is out of town that I truly appreciate how valuable he is to me, not just our family, but to me, you know, Mm -hmm. like I, I just love having a tag team partner. I love having someone to help me lift heavy stuff and reach high shelves. And it's just, he's, and he's so smart, you know, he, he actually is someone that you can have a conversation with. And so, and I love the way he handles my kids too. Because when I'm like, guys, can you get out of bed?
4: You know, mm-hmm.
1: after the 47th time, I'm like, Chris, can you go ask him to get out of bed? He's like, get out of bed! <laughs> I love we that. To, we have to do that with the dog
2: if he doesn't listen to me. I'm like, okay,
1: huh, need him to go outside. He'll come again. <laughs> See yes. uh, the many talents of the dad. So our first dad for Dad Day is Christopher Baker. And he is an entrepreneur and a father. Um, and he has been a stay-at-home dad for seven years, and now he's going into the—he's researching the whole, like, school, homeschool, unschool, world school, like, that whole thing. He used to be a director of education, and now he teaches his son, Pierce. So um, I'm really excited about having him on. He's going to be—he's working on a manifesto called Dads Make Your Mark, so I'm excited to talk to you about that. Hey, how are you doing, Christopher? Good morning, ladies. How are you? Great. Great. Hi, Christopher. Good morning. So you have, you were a director of education and you left that world behind to just to, to, to stay at home and homeschool your own son. Is that what you did?
6: Yeah. I thought, how hard could this be? I have 200 children a day coming into this center and I have all these teachers and, and we can make it work every day. How hard could one be? And little did I know the world that I was entering.
1: <laughs> see, see that one though knows where all your buttons are.
6: Oh, everyone. <laughs> I feel like I'm doing so great and all of my baggage is unpacked right before his eyes. It's horrible.
1: <laughs> it's amazing, isn't it? It's ugh, I know what you mean. I can work with kids all day long. And then I go to try to talk to my own kids, and they roll their eyes so back far in their heads; they look like they're having a seizure. And they're like, "Mom, seriously, <laughs> don't coach me! Like, stop coaching me." It's, it's kind of what I do. It's what I do. So, you are—you um, have a lot of stuff that you do. So, you're a you're a stay at home dad, and you also have some uh, groups that you're involved in, like the Dad's Rally. In you're in, you're in Chicago, right?
6: Yes, I'm, I'm part of the Chicago Dads Rally segment with Hogan Hilling taking Los Angeles and uh, uh, fathers in St. Louis and New York, all helping to bring fathers together with other awesome parents.
1: So is this kind of like a mom's club for dads?
6: I, I don't know what a mom's club is, and I've, I've never gotten an invite to a mother's tea, but... <laughs> it's the father's version of that. Yes, <laughs> we
1: we did. When I was in Mom, mom's club, mom's international is mom's offering moms support. That's what the acronym is. Um, and we did have one dad in our mom's club and his wife was a pediatrician. So, you know, we used him. He was like the chief bug squasher and, you know, all that stuff. But we did have a dad and nice. um it was just so you you guys get together regularly or what do you do is this like one big party is it like do you hang out in like a dad cave what do you do <laughs>
6: <laughs> we, i think we do what the moms do when when they get together with their their children and it's just uh, it, it takes a village to raise a child and when you're ready to pull your hair out if you have any hair left from this <laughs> experience you you know you 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 raise your concerns with the other fathers uh, during a play date with, like, soccer or at the park. And you say, hey, uh, you know, I'm having trouble with this particular issue, whatever it is, at every age. And the other dad's like, oh, yeah, I've totally been there. Or, oh, no, uh, I guess that's coming still for us. And we can share, share all of it. So it's, it's been really cool.
1: And how receptive, I mean, let's face it, when we talk about Chicago, you the immediate picture that comes to mind is a very rough, hardened area. Really? Very well, much so.
6: Well, now, I, I would, I would uh, maybe counter that, that it's a little different between, when I went first, I moved here about 11 years ago from the East Coast. And I would say it's, it's a lot softer and more sensitive and more friendly even than, than a lot of, let's say New York City has that harder feel to it. And Chicago is a city of neighborhoods. You, you see the same people at the playgrounds and the, the children's concerts every week. You run into the same people, even though there's millions of people around here, you will run into the same people at the museums every day. And uh, it really starts to feel like a small, uh, tight-knit community. Uh, I that's was surprised. Awesome.
1: Yeah. That is that is surprising. Quite honestly, it is. Because, you. I mean, when we talk about, you know, issues in the news, Chicago seems to be one of the places that, you know, you wouldn't think of dads being, like, warm and fuzzy and hanging out at the playground changing diapers. Like, seriously, that's not the picture that it conjures. And it's so... What, if you had to pick an age group that's the majority of the dads that you hang with, what would you say that age group would be?
6: The age of the... Uh, well, so my son Pierce is an only child. He's eight. And, and I find that I, I sort of gravitate towards parents with similar age children. So anywhere from, let's say, 25 to 45 are the dads that I really uh, spend the most time with. If, hmm. if that's what you mean.
1: Yeah, it is what I mean. I it's so I'm where we the, a lot of the dads that I work with and a lot of the dads that I coach are younger. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of that 19 to, you know, 25, 28-year-old age group. And it's I'm just curious as to if you if you are seeing more of those age group dads getting involved in programs like yours,
6: you know what? Yeah, and and that's a great point because groups like the City Dads Group of Chicago or the National At Home Dad Network, they they have these new dads coming in who don't even know that these services exist, and and they might be 19 coming out of the hospital with a brand new baby. And looking like a deer in the headlights, what do I do now? Mm -hmm. So um, I'm really struck by the recent research uh, that our brains aren't even fully developed to take care of ourselves until 25. (laughs) Right. Yet we have to to put aside all of our childhood and raise this other life uh, at 19 to 25. I I can't imagine. I was so different at that age. I don't know about you, but when I was 24... I had no clue. Right. I still feel like I have no clue, but at least I'm (laughs) I'm almost 40.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. And it's so true. I would love to see groups like yours, um, like reaching out, maybe even doing kind of like different mentorships, you know, like the 45 year old dads kind of mentoring those 19 to 24 year old dads, because you're absolutely right. You know, we're still working We're we're still building and growing our brains from that, you know, in those those years that we're expected to start getting married and, and having kids of our own. It's phenomenal. It's I don't even I can't even explain it. That's why when I see things in the news about an 18 year old and people want to call him an adult just because of that number. I'm like, you're so not an adult at 18. I was so not an adult at 18 years old. I can't even imagine. I raised siblings. So I guess I had a different um, perspective on it than than other eighteen year olds, the other people that I would graduate that I had graduated high school with. But seriously, if I hadn't had that experience and I was expected to mother someone at that age, who, we'd we'd both be in for a world of hurt. I'm telling you. it it would it would have been a bad thing so besides the work that you do with your with the with the dads rally and you're also part of the national at home dads network you are a consultant to companies and businesses that's right so tell us about that that's phenomenal so
6: so there are companies and you've probably seen this that that market to parents as if we're still 30 years ago. And uh, for an example, a diaper company recently said, you know, here's a diaper that's so easy, even a father can do it. <laughs> and and they, there was this backlash and they were surprised like, oh, is that not true anymore? And, and the National At Home Dad Network was great at, at bringing them up to speed and saying, no, you can't, you can't say that anymore about fathers. We're actually interested in equal parenting uh, and and there 's a new movement going on so so I come here, I come in to a company or a service organization that is struggling to reach out and connect with their fathers, and I see that it 's mostly women and and their marketing and their branding is targeted toward women and I come in and I say, "Well, if you want to really increase your father numbers you, you might have to change a little bit of your message and uh, that that's been a fun process to to bring them up to, to date, basically.
1: I am so okay, first of all, I totally misunderstood what you did because <laughs> I thought what you did was to come into like staff meetings and stuff like that and talk to dads working at companies as, about like how being a better dad can help you in your work life balance kind of thing, right? So that was the first thing. The mm-hmm. second thing is. Do you find that you get a lot of pushback from women who are in those marketing departments who are saying, but women make 82% of the buying decisions in the home, so we are marketing to women?
6: Yeah, there there is pushback from from the women and surprisingly from the men who are who are the working fathers and and here I am an at-home father saying, well, actually I control the purchasing decisions in my home and I know thousands of other fathers in Chicago who do the same and there are millions of at-home dads now in in the US and if you really want to be up to date a, a mixed marketing package is actually the way to go and the the fathers and the mothers who are working say no 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 that that can't be true and I have to I mm-hmm. have to be patient and 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 do a little hand holding and and bring them kind of up to speed.
1: Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, sounds like you're parenting them. <laughs>
6: <laughs> We're just working together and learning to be patient. It's, it's
1: true. It's true. It's so hard because I mean, it's right now the scales are so tipped to you know to female empowerment and all that stuff. I think. Uh, That a lot of what I'm seeing is even stronger advertising and marketing to women. And it's like that whole dad thing. Dads want to be involved, but they're kind of getting pushed away because, you know, women's empowerment is kind of taking the spotlight away from even dadding. And that's kind of sad to me. You know,
6: it's I agree.
1: Ugh. So you and we have like two minutes until our first until our break. So. Uh I would love if you would give, um, if you would give new dads out there one stellar piece of advice.
6: All right, so uh, it's a great question and one I struggled with. What would I have done? What would I have needed when I was first bringing this three-month-old baby home, uh, or I was coming home from work and this three-month-old was looking at me like, "Okay, what now?" I did not know how to do a lot. I did not know how to reach out to other fathers and collaborate and network like women do. Mothers have been learning this since they were babysitting at maybe 12 years old. They were babysitters. And the fathers, you know, in our generation, we didn't have to do that. So these brand-new dads, I would say, reach out. Reach out to grandfathers and your father who were taught way differently, reach out to the National At-Home Dad Network if you're an at-home father, reach out to the City Dads Group if you're any kind of, of dad, and, and learn from the generations who have come before you. There are amazing fathers out there, and they're just waiting for you to ask for help, which is one of the hardest lessons to learn.
1: Mm. Yeah, coming from a gender who can't even ask for directions at a gas station that is quite a challenge (laughs) i that is really really good advice and i can tell you that um my husband um some of the best education that we got in parenting came from my husband's father and my own father saying these were things that i wanted so badly to do but it wasn't okay and um so if I had it to do over again, this is what I would do. And I think that that is a brilliant question to ask of any dad. So thank you so much, Christopher Baker, and everybody, check him out. Um, I'm sure you have a Facebook page that we'll post up on the Facebook on the Parent Nation Facebook. And when we come back, we're going to be talking to Josh Missner after these tunes. Thank we'll you pop so a much.
0: Window, or close your iTunes player. Oh, it's Parrot Nation, Tara Kennedy Klein needs a pee break. And then we'll be right back with more Parenting with a Twist.
4: Congratulations on being the proud owner of an adorable, soft, cuddly, sweet smelling, smiling, cooing, hungry, tired, gassy, screaming little bundle of joy. So now what? Where's the owner's manual for this thing? Where are my instructions? From 32 ways to stop a baby from crying to 14 ways to get a baby to eat and so much more. It's baby and toddler instructions with Blythe Lipman on TogiNet.com. It's words you never heard.
5: The word perfume comes from the Latin perfumum, which means through smoke. Eau de clone comes from the name of a town in Germany where this type of perfume originated. The French say the only reason to wear perfume is to attract the opposite sex. Oh, and never ask a French woman what scent she wears, as they prefer to keep it hugger-mugger or secret. Perfumes are generally made from bits and bats of different materials that have unique scents. You know, if women are trying to attract men, why do we wear perfume that smells like flowers? I think we'd get more guys if we smelled like bacon. The best advice for applying perfume is just a dabble-do. What's a word for a trifling amount? Hither x Sands It's Words
2: You Never Heard. I'm
5: Carolyn Davidson, and Words You Never Heard has been brought to you by the Variatic Surgery Center of Dallas.
0: Welcome back to Parent Nation with Tara Kennedy-Klein, the Internet's top talk radio show featuring real talk for
1: real parents. Clean my house. <laughs> it's time to clean their house. You know what it means if my house is clean? I have big closets and a broken computer. Shaken and
0: stirred up with a twist from America's family advocate, Tara Kennedy Klein. And now, back to the show.
1: Hey Parent Nation, welcome back to Dad Day. That was I I love talking with dads who are part of organizations like that, Kelly. They're so that, that to me is like the epitome of what we should be doing. I mean, we always did. Women's, women always had like coffee trips and stuff like that. Sure. You know, I, I I just think it's so cool that that they we have a lot of dads on that are part of the National At Home Dads Network and right. uh, yeah, I, I I think it's a really awesome cause. I I love it so. Love promoting them anyway, so my next guest is uh, Dr. Josh Misner, and he is a communications and leadership professor, and he is he focuses on mindfulness, like you know really being present, not just kind of sitting in the same room as the people that you're with, but actually being present for them communicating and listening and that sort of thing which I think we with with the dawn of technology came and the the lack of presence Mm -hmm. I and I it's something that I see I always say my husband's always bashing me because he's like oh you're always on your cell phone you're always on Facebook that's really 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 not true It's like, you know, if we're watching a movie or if we're eating a meal, my phone is away. I can't say the same for my kids. And studies are showing that our body anatomy, the way our brain works and the way we function, is actually changing according to the the level of technology that we're using. Did you know that? Hmm, That's very interesting. But it sounds so true. It makes sense. The way we pace our, our strides when we walk and our use of periphery is changing so that we can walk and look at a cell phone at the same time. That's, that's weird to me. It's, we're evolving. We're evolving into robots basically. Yeah. <laughs> basically. So Josh's focus is on presence and, you know, and, and mindfulness. And so I'm really excited to have him on the show. Hi, Dr. Misner. How are you?
3: I'm doing great. Thank you for having me.
1: Absolutely. Do you want me to call you Dr. Misner or Josh?
3: Oh please just josh. <laughs>
1: okay. I like Dr. Misner though. That's really important.
3: <laughs> it's it's cool.
1: So tell us a little bit about what got you involved in this work.
3: Um I I started studying mindfulness kind of by accident. It was first introduced to me in a college class as an undergraduate. And at the time, I was a, a non-traditional student, meaning that I was married, had um, three kids and one on the way, and you know, juggling work and school and everything else. And so when I was first introduced to the concept of mindfulness or basically learning to shut down the distractions and just focus on whatever's going on around you in the present moment – you can imagine how much that really appealed to me <laughs> right. because i was juggling so much in my life and it just it always seemed like uh, there were fires to be put out and yeah, i was go 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 all the time and so when i first started practicing uh, techniques to develop mindfulness better I noticed that my stress level went down dramatically, um, my anxiety, all of disappeared, and depression kind of became a thing of the past. And so just with all of these benefits, um, I, I really committed to living a more mindful life. And um, then as I started thinking about the benefits of it, I thought, wow, you know, you can really apply this to parenting and yeah. being fully present there for your kids, because You know, you look at any kid in the world, and that what that kid probably wants more than anything is just for their parents to spend time with them, and and really with them, not just in the same room, like you mentioned. Mm -hmm. So, I think that's what originally inspired me to apply mindfulness to parenting.
1: I love that. It's so um, it's one of those things that I noticed something very similar with my own kids. Again, I had, I had been applying it to my clients forever. You know, it's like as a coach, you get into this whole practice of, you know, getting grounded and getting centered before you get on the phone or you have a meeting with your client so that you can be fully present with them. And then I would close that door as a coach and go into the world of my children. And my mind was going in a thousand different directions. And they were saying things to me that I didn't even hear.
3: Right, <laughs> you know
1: it's like I would ask them how their day went, and then I would blank out and start thinking about my grocery list, you know, seriously, mm-hmm. <laughs> so it was kind of like going through so what you're what you're describing is um, is it about moments in time or is it about a constant state of being?
3: It, it really is a continuity um, it, it's it's something that. It, we don't necessarily turn it on and off like a light switch, but um, when when you're being mindful, it's kind of hard to recognize that you're being mindful, but when you're being the opposite, which is mindless, and that's not a pejorative, insulting term, that's the actual term for it, uh, mm-hmm. for kind of operating on autopilot, uh, you really know that. You know when you snap between the two states and... So a lot of the behaviors and techniques that I try to teach and that I've included in my book are, are techniques to really develop this as more of a, a continuous practice to be able to recognize um, when we're being mindful and when we're not, and when, when we're just kind of going through the motions because of various distractions.
1: So that begs the question, because, you know, I have to throw this out there every once in a while. As an adult with ADD, I am a sparkle chaser. (laughs) And it it is a struggle for me to remain mindful consistently. It is a struggle for me to have a conversation with my kid, especially the one with Asperger's who can talk about the same topic for 32 minutes straight without even breathing, like it is really, really hard for me to stay in a constant state of consciousness and awareness with him without me going squirrel, you know like how <laughs> how do you work with people like that
3: i I feel your pain right there um, i I too am very easily distracted, and it, anybody who knows me and knows my storytelling tendencies knows that i, I have a tendency to really tell long-winded stories that take lots of twists and turns, and then eventually it ends up at my point, and then they're left going, wow, that could have been done in a lot shorter time. <laughs> um, but it, it really is a habit. It's a habit that has to be developed and worked at just like any other skill. Um, it's like learning a sport, learning to play basketball or to play golf or something. Uh, you have to work at it very regularly to develop and use it as a habit. And then, of course, the less that you work on it, the the more you lose it and the harder it is then to get back. And so it, it has to be something that you really commit to, very similar to like diet and exercise. Uh, but it Consider it more like diet and exercise for uh, the spirit, you know, for for our emotional well-being.
1: So what is one tip that you would give to someone like me who struggles with um, focus?
3: I would say that one of the hardest things for people to learn when it comes to developing mindful behaviors is overthinking it. Um, all too often, especially if we notice ourselves getting distracted, like you mentioned, with um, with your kids and, and spacing off and thinking about the to-do list or the grocery list, um, we have this tendency to really overthink things and to go, wow, you know, I don't like it that I do that. What can I do differently? And so then we we hit the internet and we go to WebMD or psychology today and we start reading articles and collecting data. Um, And I would really say that overthinking it is only making the problem worse. Um, What we need to do to develop mindful behaviors are really simple items that anybody can do without a skill level. In fact, the simpler these things are, the better. One of the, the things that I try to teach is, um, or one of the behaviors is, uh, taking a walk to nowhere once in a while. And a walk mm. to nowhere is really simple. You just, you you do it, alone. You do it with your kids. I mean, kids are great at this. You just leave the house, you walk down the driveway, and then you just go wherever your heart leads you. You go without a destination in mind, you go without a time limit in mind, and you just wander aimlessly. Mm. <laughs> and for people who are go, 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 and, you know, constantly thinking about their to-do list naturally this kind of an activity is going to be painful for them (laughs) because I don't want to shut it down. I've got too much stuff to do. I've got all this. Mm -hmm. Um, But that's what makes it so much more important. Um, The last time that I took one of these walks to nowhere, um, I grabbed my two youngest kids, and we left the house, and we just started walking. And I let go of control, and I let them lead the way, and eventually we... We ended up at this uh, soccer field where we're walking through the grass, and we saw a clover patch. And so we sat down, and we started looking for four-leaf clovers. And then, wouldn't you know it, we ended up finding like four of them. And so then we took them home, and I got all crafty, and I mounted them in epoxy, and I made little necklace pendant things out of them. And it ended up being one of my kids' favorite memories of time spent with Dad. And I think what made it the best was the fact that we didn't have an agenda. We just left, and it was just us. We were just mm-hmm. simply being together, without anything else going on, and that—that that is what my kids appreciated the most.
1: I so love that. I mean, I'm not gonna be—I'm not gonna be breaking out the epoxy anytime soon, but because that's <laughs> like not my thing. But you know what I love about that is you so inspired a, a memory for me about my Uncle Bob. And um, my Uncle Bob passed away a long time ago. He was, a, he was a neuroscientist and he worked for Merck. He was like the, the most cerebral person you've ever met. Truly. Um, but he had one of these traditions when we would go to his house for the holidays after dinner, he would go, he would take all of the kids and he would do exactly what you just said. He would just leave the house, but he would take a big piece of chalk with him and he would leave the house and just start walking. And every time he would make a turn, he would make a big arrow on the road with the chalk showing which way he turned. <laughs> so if anyone left the house after them, they could find them or catch up with them.
3: Oh, that's brilliant.
1: <laughs> Isn't it brilliant? And the thing is, those were some of the best Memories, childhood memories of holidays for me ever. It wasn't the dinner or, you know, the the perfect pies or, you know, it was just free flowing um, adventure and conversation. And whatever happened, whatever came up, came up. And sometimes you would come across, you know, we would walk by an ice cream place and we'd stop and get ice cream or, you know, it was like what you said. You just embraced whatever came up in the moment. And that made me closer to him than any of the advice that he gave me or things that he could have taught me was just the being with him. You know, that's so brilliant. I love Thank you for letting me share that story.
3: Great story and great memory. Um, what is really kind of at the core of what I try to teach parents is um, the idea that our, our kids are going to be adults someday, like you and I are, and they're going to look back on their childhood. And if you are not invested in the time that they spend during childhood, then you will not end up being an actor in those memories later on. And so if you want your children to look back fondly on their time spent with you, you really have to invest that time today with presence.
1: And it's not about, it's not about making everything a learning moment, is it?
3: No, no, absolutely not. Um, sometimes it's merely just accepting the moment for what it is um uh, hmm. sometimes it it involves just being quiet together and, and free from from all of the pressures and distractions that life throws our way
1: ah oh, i love that so many parents today are so stressed out and bogged down with this obligatory you know make every moment count and sometimes like you said it's the silence in the moment that's the most powerful Yeah, You know, or or just listening to the 16 year old tell you the story instead of formulating in your head what the best piece of advice would be to give them.
3: Right. Right.
1: You know, it's that's and I have to tell you, when I mastered that skill, that's when my stress level dropped. When I realized that I didn't have to have all the answers, I just sometimes had to be the sounding board.
3: Absolutely.
1: Oh, I love that so much. So, Josh, how can our listeners get a hold of you? How can they find you?
3: Um, you can find me on Facebook at uh, facebook.com slash drjmindfuldad or uh, at my website, mindfuldad.org. And that's where I, those two spots are where I spend more of my time than anything else.
1: Do you have um, do you have a practice or anywhere that people can actually connect with you professionally, or do you just kind of offer advice?
3: Um, I. I- teach full-time for uh, four different institutions. <laughs> oh, um, yeah, te- yeah,
1: blah, blah, blah. No,
3: I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah. I, I teach full-time uh, for a community college in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, and then part-time you know, working with other various institutions. So the vast majority of my time is spent uh, in classrooms teaching communication studies. Um, Very similar to what I've been talking about here. But uh, if anybody did want to get a hold of me, uh, using one of those two routes would be the best way.
1: Awesome. Mindful Dad Projects. And uh, that's a really great thing that you have going there. And I appreciate it very much. Thank you so much to you, Josh, and to Christopher Baker for being amazing guests. If you want to connect with us on Parent Nation, check us out on Facebook or check me out on my website, tarakennedykline.com. I'd love to hear from you. Until next week, everybody, keep playing of thank is it you, you to shut them up connect
0: with Tara online at attara kennedycline.com until next time
1: remember this Parent nation why do we keep calling this the hardest job on the planet why don't we just appreciate the gift that we're given and try calling